What's up? What's up? Week one is finally here. It is Hawks Live, and I'm here with no other than Paul Moyer, like we always do. What's up, Paul? You know, after 25 years of doing this, they threw my name on there. Hey, let's I was go. like, man, NASA, he's got game going. Two man show, man. Two man show. Let's. I'm get excited, it. man. I'm excited for the twelves out there right now. It's been a long time coming, and you know, in three weeks, three weeks, one, two weeks, when we finally get a home game, man, it's going to be. That's going to be exciting. Preseason was good, but it's not like the regular season. And this is a big one. I Just real quick, just letting you all know, Indy is a really good football yes, team. Yes, they are. Their defense is legit. We'll talk more about that. But I just, I'm preparing you. Yeah. Tough game in a, a covered stadium. They're going to be rocking. I just, I was reading uh, their owner. One of their big things is they've lost seven home openers in a row. The, they're, they're, their theme is we are going to win this opener. Win the opener. Win the opener. Maybe not home opener, but they've lost seven opening games in a row. All right. Well, Moore just gave you a little preview of the preview. Yes. But now we're going to talk about the Seahawks. Now, yeah. it's been a long offseason. A lot has happened. Russell Wilson had his deal. Dwayne Brown had his deal. Jamal Adams had his deal. Quandre's in the mix. There was a lot for us to talk about during this offseason, but finally they've cut the – the roster down to 53. Now, I have my initial thoughts on this 53, but like always, I'm going to defer to my guy, <laughs> Mr. Paul Moyer. Initial thoughts of this 53. I like this roster. I, I really like the roster. You know, even when it uh, official, not official, when they first got down to the 53 and made some changes, we'll talk about that too. I think we're loaded. We're deep. We're young. We're big. We're fast. We're athletic. We still got question marks. Yeah. We got some young guys who are going to have to go out and prove it, and they got to step their game up. But I'm excited to see it. I, you know, I'm, there's we'll, again, we'll talk about all the players. But I, I like this team. There's no reason for us not to be successful. We should have a very good defense. We're going to be able to rot, rotate. You know, we got I think we got tel, ten defensive linemen, so we're going to be able to rotate a bunch of those through, keep them fresh. Uh, three defensive tackles makes me a little nervous, mm -hmm. but. I don't see this, Michael, as a 53-man roster. I see it as a 69-man roster. You're counting practice squad. I am. Yeah. It's very, very different than it has been in the past. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have Robert Kimdichie, who's on the practice squad. I mean, here's a guy who was you know, a high first-round pick you know, not that many years ago. Uh, I see him sliding in and playing, too. They really worked the roster on what, it, what can we bring onto this initial 53 slide some guys onto the IR where they only miss three weeks rather than the whole year. Because if you go on the IR before the 53-man roster, you're done for the year. So, you know, John Schneider and his crew, I mean, they were working it, working it hard. And so I look at the debt wide receiver. We came in originally with, what, four wide receivers. But you got Penny Hart there. You've yeah. also got uh, a Fuller there. We, we've, we have people that we're going to be able to move in and out with, with different pieces. So – I like it. How about you? I like the 53, and I like it for some reasons that you pointed out. They got some dogs on the practice squad. They do. Usually you got guys on the practice squad who are just going to be serviceable during practice. You'll see what happens every now and then. You call a guy up if someone's injured. No, these guys got some guys on the practice squad that are like, look, you have a good week practicing. You might just get the tap on the shoulder and say, look, you're going to play this week. So I like it in that sense. I also like it, and I'm going to focus on the defensive line just like you did because there's depth right there, mm -hmm. and there's – and I think you said this during the preseason that there are guys on this team at the defensive line spot that will be starters elsewhere. 
And now they're going to be in the rotation. So if you have a rotation of 10 guys, maybe eight to seven will be starters elsewhere. That makes me excited. There's one spot where I just want to see what happens, and that's the corner spot. I'm glad Trey Flowers gets another opportunity mm-hmm. because I think he was a lot better than what people say or, or perceive him as. So he fought off Trey Brown. Yeah, Trey Brown gets banged up. Okay, that's fine. He fought off Witherspoon, and he's still here. He's yep. surviving. So mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see what he looks like, and I'm, I'm excited to see what DJ looks like as well. Yeah, I think we – we also got some guys will hit you. And I think that was one of Witherspoon's downfalls is when you come here, you're not just a cover corner. You also, you know, you, you secure the, the edge at times we play, you know, cover two or depending on what kind of formation you get, you're sitting just outside a tight end. You are counted in the running game. Yeah. And if you don't come with it, if you shy away at all, man, you, you will not be on this team. And, you know, I heard some things about him that, you know, maybe that, that wasn't the fit. I think the other thing is Trey, he played so well in practice, you know, and so that's, the, that's not what the 12s got to see. Mm-hmm. They, they saw a couple of plays that maybe they didn't like in preseason. I, it was really, to me, it was one, and I, it wasn't even one. So the one that he got beat on, the, the fade route, that was the most perfect pass you could ever have. It went right over his shoulder. I could have told him maybe, yeah, if you could have looked a little sooner, but that's just a timing thing. He was all over the guy, yeah. and it was a perfect throw and a perfect catch. wasn't a killer. It's going to happen at times. So I'm excited to see does he does that translate back to the, to the actual game. Yeah. Does he have confidence in the game? Because he's shown he's had confidence in practice, and he's going up some get really good receivers there too. So, yeah, there's, um, but there's a lot of question marks. There are, there are, and before we we get deeper into this, I just want to show some love to Ben Burkirvin yeah. and John Ursua. These are guys we knew Ben was going to make this team. He was going to be in the rotation. He's going to be a special teams guy. He was good to go. John Ursua was the guy that we're kind of waiting to see. You know, that's my guy. Every chance yeah. I get to talk about John, I'm going to talk about him. All right, and he tore his ACL. He was on the bubble. You know, who knows where his futures lie? His future lies. But we just want to show some love to those guys off top. All right, so now going into the season. Mm-hmm. All right, right now you're looking at this roster. Um, just overall expectations. Is this an elite roster? Or you said there are some questions out there. Are we waiting for those questions to be answered before we classify this ball team as elite or average? Well, I, th- I think we know what we have offensively, what we saw the first half of the year. It's an explosive offense that, you know, it's hard to duplicate that the whole season. Yeah. Teams definitely found out what we did and said, hey, we got just take away the deep ball. Take away the deep ball. Take away Russell improvising along the way. You know, shut the running game down. You can't. And, you know, force them to do stuff they didn't like. And we didn't do it that well. So in comes, you know, Waldron, our new offensive coordinator. They bring in that system that will allow him to be able to dump things off. Lots of crossing routes, you know, tempo, whatever that means. You know, just but I think, you know, a better speed of the game rather than sitting there in a huddle waiting for the call. There's 15 seconds left, ready, break. And by the time you get to the line, there's like eight seconds left. And there's no time to really audible that. I think those days are gone. So mm-hmm. I think the offense is better and they're certainly better at offensive line. There's no question bringing in Jackson. I think at running back, we're so deep, you know, and yeah. everybody's played well. Penny's got to still step up, and we'll, we'll see where that goes. And then defensively, I'll keep this one real short. Look, front seven's there. You know, we already talked about defensive line. I think yeah. we know at linebacker, we should be really good. All right, we, we, got, we haven't mentioned it. Cody Barton coming on later today um, on our show, which I'm excited to have. But, you know, when you have Brooks and certainly Taylor now with that kind of speed and then you have, you know, Bobby holding the middle, 
the, uh, enough said on the front seven. We know what we have in the safeties. Yeah. And we're going to have an improved Jamal Adams. I believe that. He's healthy. He knows the system now. The question mark, we don't have any first-round picks sitting out in the corner. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you need to. And we've never really needed that in this defense because, you know, we, we will play things where we give some things throws underneath. Don't give up the deep throw. And then at times, we, you know, we're going to need to lock it down. But um, that's the question mark. That's my only one, but the, the talent's there. They just got to go out and prove it. Yeah, I can't remember. When's the last time there was a first-round pick at the corner spot? I mean, they've done – their Truf- job. Trufant, Trufant was the last Trufant's one, the right? Last one. We're going back a long way. Yeah, it's been a while. So they've shown they can get it done without um, the first round picks on the outside, and that's what John Snyder and Pete Carroll does, Appreciate man. It. They find they find some DBs, man. Wait, was Kelly Jennings a first round pick? No. How, where, how, we didn't where draft, was he at? But we didn't we didn't draft him. No, you know what? I think he was a second round pick. We drafted him for sure. I just yeah, don't remember what round it was. Bump, do you remember? Kelly, that was back in my day. No, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't think he was first round. But you know what? I'm getting older. You know, first round, second round. I know he wasn't around long enough for a first rounder. <laughs> you know, so um, but I know our great producer NASA will find that for us. So if you're gonna bring those up, you better have the answer. Thirty first overall pick in the first round of the two thousand six draft. Oh there six. You there you go. Genius, what school, Nas? University of Miami. Miami. Man, he didn't – yeah, that was – boy, I don't want to go bad first-round pick. So, this is pre-Schneider, so we're good. Pre-Schneider, yeah. We, we can dog that one a little bit. Pre-Schneider, we're good. So, speaking of, we're going to stay in the DBs, man, Witherspoon. We, yeah. You and I both thought highly of this man. I mean, we saw his film with the 49ers when he was healthy. He's long. He looks like the type of corner that – John Schneider and Pete Carroll really go for, but it just didn't work out. Was there something that you saw that that made it just not work out? Was he not doing something? Was he not as good at something else? What'd you see? Yeah, again, I, more behind the scenes. You know, the the physicality of the I said the word I would never say. The, him being physical, um, maybe in the running game, but I think the biggest one, he got beat out. He got beat out by Trey Flowers, and he had a four four and a half million dollar contract. That's a lot for a backup. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, some of the, you know, obviously the trade for for Jones was was big. Um, the, you know, they got rid of Demar- De- Demarius Randall too. That one kind of threw me out. I thought they were looking for a veteran guy. And yeah, look, at the end of the day, it's competitive, right? Yep. Sometimes you get beat out. I actually like the makeup of these five corners right now, probably at least from an athletic standpoint. You know, I mean, to me, they're really athletic. But Witherspoon, it surprised me. We, I, we did the the film session. Uh, it's on the Seahawk website. I went through it. Paul broke it down. I loved the guy. I really did. I thought he had great feet. He had unbelievable speed. He was he, he played the ball exceptionally well. He got beat bad on that fourth down and five play. There's a deep end, um, you know, in the preseason game. You know, that one didn't look great. But I was against Denver and Judy. And Judy runs by – he's going to run by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, he just didn't win, and you get four and a half million, you get a six-round pick, which, you know, Sidney Jones, I mean, that's kind of a, a wash there. They probably felt there's more upside uh, with him. So, yeah, I'm good with it, but it surprised me. Yeah, me too. All right, enough about the defense, man. Let's talk wow. about this offense. You know, I got Moyer here. We 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 hop on the, the first show and dive in on the defense, but now let's look at the offense because there's probably, I wouldn't say the question marks over there as far as personnel, but just like, okay, what exactly are we going to see? I felt like we saw a glimpse of it on um, that last preseason game. We saw some up-tempo. They slowed it down. We saw what they do with the jet sweep. We saw the quick game. We saw hints of the things that we have been anxious for out here. You know, last year, or at least the last couple of years, we felt like 
the Hawks are just a downfield type of team. They're going to play action, boot. They're going to go downfield and take a shot. I think they're still going to do that, but I also think that they show that they can mix things up a little bit. So when you hear the word tempo, tempo, what, what does that mean to you? You know, or no, I don't like that word. <laughs> to me, it's a buzzword, right? It's the the, the word of the day. Uh, it's, you know, I, tempo to me just, it, it, I guess the, the way to explain it is we're, we're, we're constantly in motion. Maybe yeah. that's the way. It's uh-huh. just we're not sitting there where Russ is going down to a knee in a huddle with all guys, their hands down, waiting for the call, ready, break. You know, let's, let's go out the line of the scribe. And all of a sudden there's, you know, 10, 15 seconds left on the play clock. And there's just not enough time. I think you can see, hopefully, plays get in and out. So Russ can now see the defense. He's got everybody out there, and he can really go through his progressions or checks or, or more importantly, audibleize along the way. And the other thing is, I, I think the one I always tell, I go, it's like a slow pitcher. If you've ever played baseball yeah. and you're an outfielder and you're just bored. You know, I mean, it's like, come on. So I want to ask you a question. Okay. Preseason, they did not throw the ball downfield at all. They did not. At all. Um, how good is this D, and do they still take the shots like they did last year? Is this going to be – the Rams really don't take a lot of shots downfield, so I'm curious how that, no, that you know, plays out. You know what, Paul? I think the shots look different. The shots look like deep crosses instead of straight goals or straight yeah. posts. You know, because what they're trying to do, they're trying to influence the defense to go right when they're going left. Yeah. They're trying to show you that jet sweep, lose outside, contain, have a linebacker bite on you, and then they throw a crossing route twenty yards down the field. Now, if we're getting, we're going into math, which isn't my strong point, uh, Moyer. Like twenty yards down the field to the left, you can add another ten yards. That's a thirty-yard pass we're doing right there. So maybe in this offense, that is what is considered a deep pass. But you got to think. DK Metcalf is on the outside. Mm-hmm. There has to be a play where Walter's just like, okay, this is the play. We got DK on a backside post or a go. It's third and ten. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, I I, I see that that deep cross gives. I always thought the Rams were very difficult to defense if they had time. Their routes they're hard to zone up. You can play some man to man. Um, so I think it's going to set up. You may not see as many straight goes. I think you'll set up for the go. So. Yep, set up for the go. They're still going to make some plays downfield. Me and Paul Moyer are in agreement. That was a preview of your Seattle Seahawks. When we return, we will preview the Indianapolis Colts. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Every Thursday, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer will be right here talking about some Hawks. That's the NFL music right there. That means it's real. It's, it's, it's the season. It's not preseason, Paul Moyer. No, it's, uh, it, is, it feels different, though. You know, just three-game preseason, no starters. No yeah, we, we didn't have any stats. I've never seen that before. I mean, it, it really hasn't happened. I know that some teams have done it in the past, but I've never seen it here in Seattle. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a different, it's a different world, man. We're talking about business and how we got to adjust, you know, what's, what's going on. The Seahawks, same thing as, you know, I got to keep our guys healthy, healthy for sure. Let's keep our guys healthy. If you're listening to us and not watching a Thursday night game, Dallas is down 16 to 21 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we are here to talk about these Indianapolis Colts, and the first thing I think about when I think of the Colts, Moyer, is that run game, man. Jonathan Taylor, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, what, five yards per carry. This guy is something special. If you do have Carson Wentz in, who hasn't been practicing, coming off a, a foot injury, you have to think they have to rely on the run. They were probably going to do that anyway. This run game is going to be tough. Yeah, their left guard, Nelson's a little beat up. He came back and limited uh, today in practice, but it looks like he'll go. We know Carson Wentz was full today, and, and uh, Reich, their head coach, said if he's full on Wednesday, he's going to play Sunday. So we're going to get Reich. 
he's never had success versus us. Um, but this is a really good football team. You know, we'll, we'll just stay on the offensive side. I mean, you got Doyle, who, you know, some of you have heard of before as a tight end. Um, you know, he, he's a problem. Taylor's definitely a problem. One of the good things is, you know, is T.Y. Hilton was put on the IR. Yep. And, you know, that guy last year, you know, he had over 1,000 yards receiving. Well, maybe he didn't. Actually, he only had 762, but, you know, averaged almost 14 yards. I mean, he's the guy. And his the one guy that's kind of backing him up. Uh, you got Michael Pittman Jr., who's a pretty good receiver. Um, he'll be there. You got Paris Campbell. They have listed as starting. He had been nicked up. He came back to practice today, but he's been nursing an Achilles heel. Um, look, they're they're beat up. So the point getting back to Jonathan Taylor, one of the best offensive lines out there. Yep. Only sacked twenty one times last year. And they're not going to get – they're not going to take sacks. That fits right into Carson Wentz's game, get rid of the football, and rely on the running game and your defense. And they got a, they have a spectacular defense. They got a good defense. They got Carson Wentz, who was with Frank Reich again. Last time they were together, Wentz was an MVP candidate, looked good. Everybody loved him in Philly. How quickly they turn on you in Philly. Surprise, right, Paul Moyer? Um, <laughs> but now the defense. They had the number eight defense overall in the league last year, led by DeForest Buckner, who was an all-pro I mean, this guy was everywhere. Nine and a half sacks from the interior. Interior lineman, nine and a half sacks. That's pretty rare. Um, they also have Kellen Moore. Excuse me, am I saying that right? Yeah, Kellen Moore, the guy, he plays more like a nickel. He led the team with four interceptions. They got some names on this defense. It's not like Carson Wentz is walking into a situation where he's got to be great and lead the team and be awesome every single down. They got an offensive line that will protect, a run game that will get going, and then a defense that's going to get after it too. Yeah, they, they got some big names. Um, you know, one of them is, is Darius Leonard. He had 130, 140 tackles last year on top of three sacks. You know, so they've got a good linebacking core. You got Rhodes at the corner. Don't know if he's going to play. Uh, he, he did not practice again today. Um, usually if you haven't practiced by Thursday, it's yeah. not a good sign. A lot of coaches don't even want to put you in there, but – you know, here's a guy that, you know, they would count on for sure to be a, a bit of a lockdown corner. Um, that, that's a problem for them if, if they're not, if they don't have, you know, their studs healthy. It's going to be a tough game. It it's, it's probably going to be a low scoring game on top of that. The crowd's going to be crazy. It's their first time back. They're ready for this game. So don't think because people are in Indianapolis, they're not thinking about football, right? They, they think of other things other than basketball. And football's big to them. They think they have a very good team. Their owner has demanded pretty much they win this opener. And they have high expectations going into the season. So we got to chin it up, you know, strap it up with yep. our, our chin straps, and uh, it's going to be a physical football game. They are a good football team. They, they lost 24-27 to 27 to the Buffalo Bills, who are one win away from going to a Super Bowl against Josh Allen and the gang. We got to be ready to go. Now, this is a game that I think that we should win, the Seahawks should win, but it's not going to be as easy as everyone thinks it is. You got to play every single Sunday, Moyer. You don't just mail it in and say we got this win. You got to show up and play. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Seahawk linebacker Cody Barton, always a good interview coming up next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm sitting here with my guy, Paul Moyer. When I hear that music, I just think of John Madden. Yeah. I just think of John Madden, Monday Night Football. I think of uh, – that's interesting. I mean, obviously I go back way back to Howard Cosell and those guys as well. But this one, because of Al Michaels, mm -hmm. is it's really – oh, Al, now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I think of Monday Night Football and things, you know, I, I go back to Dandy Don and – you know, Howard Cosell. I mean, I was that that was entertainment. That was entertainment. It was entertainment. 
Uh, it's hard to get that done nowadays. You know, everybody wants to talk X and O's and, and all that <laughs> stuff and hardcore football, and it worked back then. Hey, blame it on the Internet. Everyone has access to data. Everyone has the answers to the questions, and everybody's a coach, Moyer. You actually were a coach, though. I am, and uh, so I always get to trump you whenever <laughs> we're in a disagreement. No, you know that's not true at all. All right, so we're waiting on Cody Barton to join us. And Cody Barton has been one of our favorites. I feel like we both really like Cody Barton. I got a chance to meet him when he was a rookie. He's got this Dave Wyman look in his eye. That's why Dave Wyman loves him. He's, he's got that little look, that twinkle in his eye that says, look, I will run through you. I'm not tackling you. I'm going to run through you. Dave, and I'm sitting in Dave Wyman's seat right now, keeping it nice and warm. <laughs> and you're right. He is probably his favorite player is Cody Barton, and I think Cody knows it. And Dave said, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, and they do have a personality back when they were I, I remember when Dave was a rookie I was in my maybe fourth or fifth year at the time and Dave was all football and all he was football. serious and I, I would try to tease him he didn't like to be teased <laughs> and Dave was a big man he was 250 plus pounds Dave could run I mean he was you know he was four or five guy you know particularly before his knee injury he could really run yes they I will run through that wall for you. And Cody is, he's a, he's a really good football player. I love reading stuff on him and, you know, his old coach at Utah, how much he loves him too. And, you know, coach is just, I mean, he's that dream player, you know, you know, it's, it's all football for him and uh, you can count on him and he's a really good player. I mean, he, he needs to get some playing time. Yeah. I mean, his first year, he, he figured out all three positions, at least assignment-wise. There's nothing like ex experience. You still got to go out there and, and take on guards and slip the, slip the block, make the tackle in the backfield. But the first thing you can do to get on the field is just know what to do. And coaches ain't going to trust you if you don't know what to do. You're not going to get out there. So I feel like he's been moving in the right direction. It's been a slow ascend to where he is now. KJ isn't here anymore. We know for sure. But uh, we have the man himself on the line, Cody Barton. What's up, man? going on hey appreciate you taking time out of your day i know you guys are getting ready for week one going down to indy and uh the first thing i thought about when i think of cody bard man i'm like man he's entering his third year and i remember my third year in high school how things clicked and started slowing down i remember my third year in college how things clicked and are starting to slow down how do you feel your third year in, in the nfl is it similar or is it just a, a different deal yeah, no, I feel like going to my third year, I think, like you said, you know, I feel like for me as well, you know, things have definitely slowed down a lot. I feel like going to last year, things slowed down, and then now going to this year, things have slowed down even more. And so, um, you know, I attribute that just to, you know, learning and growing with experience and, and, you know, as I grow as a player. And, yeah, I feel like this year, you know, things have slowed down a lot. Well, plus you're like an old man now, you know. <laughs> I mean, you got Daryl Taylor in there. You've got Jordan Brooks. <laughs> You're you're like an old veteran, so you're definitely not a rookie guy looking for for direction. Yeah, yeah I ain't no rookie, but I would say I'm an old dude. I mean, <laughs> I'm only I only got a year on those guys. Well, you know, it, it, you're you're more of experience, that's for sure. Most definitely. Yeah. Now you're sure. you're gonna play this year, man. Um, KJ is no longer with the team. He signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, just talk about what he meant to to you. And it's your development. I would assume that you would watch this guy work every day and kind of pick up some nuggets. Yeah, I would definitely. And I, you know, I'd always pick his brain and ask him questions. And you know, having KJ in the room with us, he was awesome. He was always he was an open book and willing to always share, you know, tricks of the trade and information and just nuggets of the game and you know things that he's learned and 
you know, with those 10 years of experience that he had when I was with him, you know, that's, you know, that's very, very valuable information. And, and, you know, the things that he taught me and just who he was as a person, as a player, you know, it was, it was fun to be with him. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him and that he's continuing to play now as with the Raiders. But, yeah, being with KJ, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was fun. About my third or fourth year in, in the league, uh, I, I had two veteran safeties that I was backing up. And the, the coaches had to come in and say, Paul, do you believe you can start in this league? And, and the reason they said that is they said, we, we, we need you to compete to start because we want you to start. So I'm just curious, one, were you surprised KJ wasn't re-signed? And did they talk to you about it? That, hey, you know what, we're, we're not going to bring him back. You're, you're going to really get the, the opportunity to, to start playing more. Was there any conversations about that? Um, no, but at the same time, you know, I realized, you know, if they didn't bring him back, that was – there was going to be an opportunity. And so there actually was no real conversation about it. Cause they didn't know at first they're going to bring him back or not. And, um, but that being said, you know, whether they brought him back or not, you know, I'm always, and just, just my mindset is I'm always trying to compete no matter who it is. I'm always trying to, to battle and always looking to be a starter. All right, Cody. Now I, I asked you about, you know, what is like being on the field your third season, but what about the off season? Because I, I would, I would think that you learn more about your body and how to prepare your, your mind and your spirit, your physical. How has your offseason changed over the years? You know, I learned a lot. After my first year, I stayed up here the whole time. Just And also at the same time, I was with COVID and stuff, kind of locked down, which is kind of weird. But um, I feel like this, this offseason, I really got my routine and really took care of myself, both physically and mentally. Um Went down to train at Bomberitos down in Miami for a little bit. Got out of that Utah snow. Um, <laughs> and then also in the summer, finished my training off in Utah um, at Pendleton Performance. And I actually like training in Utah as well because you got the higher elevation. So I feel like when I come back to um, come back down here to sea level, you know, I feel like I'm just flying and run for days. But I feel like the biggest thing that helped me body-wise was Pilates. Nice. Um, and I've been doing that for years, though, but just really thought my body this year is clicking and smooth and healthy and just strong all around. And, and you know, I felt like this offseason just in general was, was great. Is, do the Seahawks, is that something they promote, Pilates, or is that something you really do more away from the facility? No, that's something I do away from the facility. I actually own a reformer here. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I love Pilates. I've been doing it for years now, like I said, and, a good friend of mine who's an instructor back home, her name is Jenny Carr. I work with her, and, um, yeah, it, it gets me right. I love it. So I'm uh, I'm getting to a magic age of 60, played played a, a few years, got a lot of body aches. You're saying that I should incorporate or make Pilates my main weapon for getting in shape, staying in shape? Pilates. Pilates. Do it. Okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up on that. So, so you, you, the Utah – You've got to have a good – you got to have a good instructor, a good teacher, though. Do I? All right. Yep. I, I bet I bet I can get somebody off air from you. <laughs> you hey, I don't know. It's, it might be secret. I, well, I'm sitting in Dave Wyman's seat, and there's no secret. Dave is you are his favorite player. Uh, Dave and I played together, and and all that stuff. So I'll I'll have him ask you, and and you can you can give me that good name there. Um, <laughs> I, I want to ask you about you, you, I, last time we had you. You 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 love to fish, hunt, things like that. So Utah snow is it, you trying to get away from that? And when you are hunting, fishing, have you found your spot out here? 
first the snow question um i like the snow i like to change the seasons of growing up in utah but at the same time you know we've been and not it doesn't get that cold here in seattle but i feel like once the rain season comes you know it's everything's wet all the time and it's kind of just it's kind of chilly out all the time so then i go back after the season to visit my family and stuff in utah and it's way colder and there's just a ton of snow on the ground so i'll go back for a few weeks visit family and stuff like that but then after that i'm like all right i need to go get some warmth that's why i go down to florida and and get in the sun you know yes i do (laughs) (laughs) i went to arizona state so yes i would be there (laughs) i I miss i miss that sun we we know your family should have a statue at, at utah i mean you're you're the most decorated family athletes of all time. And for those who don't know, I'm, I'm just going to mention your dad played baseball and football, but was drafted by Toronto, but at you, you know, was playing at Utah. Your mom, is it Mickey? Is that how you say your name? Yes. Mickey, Mickey, yeah, Mickey. is a legend at, at Utah, both in, in uh, basketball and volleyball. And I believe she's in the hall of fame there. Uh, your, your brother Jackson is, I think he's on the practice squad at, uh, for the giants. He's an offensive tackle, six, seven, 300 pounder. Um, pretty pretty big guy, and then Danny, who's just finished her senior year, uh, vo- volleyball, and uh, again ph- phenomenal. And then you got Lander. So re- re- so one, do you get do you work out with those people when you get back to Utah? All your family, and and tell me a little bit about Lander. Is it is he a, another Cody on the rise? <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, me and my family, when we're back together in the office, we do all work out together. Um, you know, whether it's Pilates, lifting, running or even just, you know, going to play basketball or whatever it is. We, all, we always do stuff together as a family. And then as far as my little brother, Lander, man, I don't know. He's got a ton of potential. He, he's going to be a good player, but I just want him to keep his head down. Right now, he's you know, he's he's a high recruit and all these offers coming in and this and that. And I just don't want his head to get big. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was but, I was curious about that because your brother Jackson, who's who's much more mellow than you, you know, you're you're the more intense guy. Where where does he fit in between those personalities? Oh man, I would say, yeah, me and my older brother Jackson were opposite personality wise. I mean, yeah, he is a little more mellow, but super friendly, and he can talk it up as well. But <laughs> I would say, yeah, I'm more intense. And then Lander, I mean, he's he's I'd say Lander though is the most mellow. Confident, okay. youngest the kid. No, like, well, he's, yeah, he's, he's youngest rebel, brother. Yeah, laid back. You know, but I would say, man, I don't know. I'd say Lander's the most mellow. I'm obviously most intense, and then Jackson in the middle. And I'd say my sister, she's more like me. Nice, really. That must be fun. Yeah, good competition there. All right, all right Cody. Yeah, we we all, no matter what we're doing, we like to mess around and compete. The Bartons get after. That's what I'm hearing right now. Cody Barton, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate you. Uh, We expect you to get after. You're one of our favorites here, man. You have a good night. And, uh, man, go to to Indy and get it done, man. Let's do it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. Have a good one. That was Cody Bard, man, one of our favorite guys on the team. No, well, no. I just think he's going to be a special player. Yeah. It's just finally I've said he just needs the opportunity. He's going to get him this year. I, we didn't get a chance to really say, ask him how are they going to play you guys because, you know, you're going to have a bit of a five-man front at times with the, with Taylor. And, and where, where does he fit in? Is it middle? Do they give a break to, to Bobby at times? Is he sli- there, There's so many things that are going on, but he's going to play. Yep, he's going to play. We're going to see number 57 out there. And coming up next – we are going to talk to no other than the professor, professor 
Mr. John Clayton, right here on Hawks Live. You know, people have kind of anointed Tampa Bay at six or seventeen and zero, and you know they're going to be a Super Bowl chance. Just your thoughts on how they've played tonight, and if you think they're still that that Super Bowl for sure contender. Oh, there's no doubt they're the Super Bowl for sure contender because they got Tom Brady and they got theoretically a good defense that defense isn't showing up tonight uh you know they are getting pressure on Dak Prescott but the secondary is so banged up I mean what they're injured with like uh, three starters in the secondary and so they're so vulnerable I mean right now they're at the stage where they're taking practice squad players from a couple days ago and having them out there in that starting rotation at cornerback so it's like that's a concern and they've got injuries at safety that's that has to be a concern, and so that does leave them vulnerable to the passing game. But uh, you know, I, I'm just kind of amazed to see that uh, you know here's two teams that you would think would be running the ball more, and neither's running the ball more. They're changing the game, JC. They're changing the game. Now let's let's talk about these Seahawks. Me and Moyer are pretty confident in this 53-man roster. If there is a position group that we're kind we're kind of trying to wait and see what happens. It's that corner position. What are your thoughts on the corner? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that's the big question mark right now. I think they can be good enough because I think they put enough resources into it. I mean, it's not like they put you know big money deals or anything else. I mean, the big money deal was Akello Witherspoon, who ends up being traded to Pittsburgh after a four million dollar guarantee. But I think the fact that uh, you know they they do like DJ Reed. I mean, even though the fans aren't, aren't in favor of him, Trey. Flowers has had a very good training camp. Uh, may not have showed in a couple of the preseason games on a couple plays, but I think he's done well. They have the option of using Sidney Jones. You know, they uh, certainly do have Ugo Amani for the slot. They have Marquise Blair for the slot. So I think they have a lot of combinations that they can use. And then, of course, one of the huge things in the secondary was getting uh, Quandre Diggs to at least redo his contract a little bit and then uh, get back off the hold-in and be available. So now they have two Pro Bowl safeties, and we'll see where they are at corner. Well, let's talk about that with Quandre Driggs. They, they did some type of uh, restructure. What what did happen in that deal? Well, basically what they did is they took uh, $5 million plus of his signing bonus or his, of his base salary, converted that into signing bonus, and it looks as though you know they gave him a voidable year next year. Now, he's a free agent just like Dwayne Brown is. Dwayne Brown got 7.5, but you know what that ended up doing, it saved $3.5 million of cap room on the Brown deal, $2.5 million on the uh, deal for Diggs, and so all of a sudden their number for the cap uh, went from 12 into the 17s, which is actually pretty good, and so so, you know, and I thought it's kind of ironic yeah, that, uh, you know, one of the things John Snyder likes to have, and he's never had this much money as far as cap room, particularly a 182.5 cap, uh, to go pick up things if needed during the season. But I thought it was kind of ironic that it was Brown and Diggs uh, because, you know, those are two guys that they picked up during the season and uh, were making decent money. I mean, Brown, of course, coming as one of the higher paid left tackles. I mean, he comes over and then, of course, the next move was getting Diggs, who was a $6.2 million contract. And then last year, they picked up Carlos Dunlap. And so, you know, they have the ability, if needed, to pick up things, you know, with injuries or whatever, or if they just say, you know what, we need, we need more at the cornerback position. We can do something later on. Let's say the the fifty three man roster. Just just your thoughts on it because there's been some changes and 
you know, I always say this really isn't a 53-man roster. This is a 68-, 69-man roster mm-hmm. with the practice squad. Just your thoughts and maybe even a few surprises that, you know, popped up for you. Well, I mean, it's um, – I mean, I'm not surprised that Alex Collins made it because I think right now he's the leading candidate to be the backup running back because I think he's you know done better than Rashad Penny. He's a forceful runner, and I think he's a good runner. Uh, certainly, uh, I think – I mean, you're, you're – and, and again – it's not like the roster is totally settled right now because you f- still have a few young guys, you know, practice squad caliber guys that are on the roster and they may be holding the spots for some other players. I mean, on the 16 man practice squad, I mean, it's all young guys that uh, n- no veterans or anything like that. So, uh, no, so there's no surprises there. In fact, the weird stat is that league wide, you know, per- particularly is this bad draft and it was a horrible draft is that uh, what you end up having is that uh, there was only like two, two dozen undrafted uh, players that ended up making 53-man rosters, and so which is very unusual. There's probably a few more here than there were on other teams. But overall, I think you can see they have a lot of numbers at the cornerback position. Clearly, they've added to the roster significantly, you know, because here they get Gerald Everett, who I think is going to be a good tight end, Gabe Jackson, who's a mauling type of guard. You know, they were able to, you know, Kerry Hyder, who's had two two years where he showed he can get eight sacks in a season. Daryl Taylor now is healthy. Looks like he can be a factor. So I think they've added uh, enough right there. They can uh, you know do some good things. All right, John. Let's talk about quarterbacks. You got Carson Wentz. Um, he's going to be the play caller over there in Indianapolis. You got some quarterbacks moving around. You got Golf, Stafford, Darnold, Bridgewater. Which one of these guys are most interesting to you and have the opportunity to win right now? Well, I mean, I think you you certainly look at uh, you know Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's going to win because he's never been around this much talent. Now, again, you know, the talent on the Rams, in my opinion, isn't equal to where it was last year because to get the Stafford deal and and they and, and I was funny because I saw Tony Dungy was talking about this tonight that how good that Stafford looks throwing the football because he's been down there enough to see him throw. And so that kind of surprised him. But again, it's kind of like the Tom Brady thing from a year ago. You know, Tom never had as much offensive weapons as he had in Tampa Bay. You know, they didn't have those type of receivers. They had certainly two tight ends that were good at different times, but there's now more weapons that he can work with. And of course, there's more talent that uh, Stafford has. But the problem is, you know, when you lose five starters, four or five starters on defense and you lose, you know, Cam Akers, who was going to have a breakout season at running back, you lose Everett and you lose a couple other guys, you're not as strong. And then Brandon Staley ends up uh, leaving to go and getting a head coaching job with the Chargers. So I like Stafford a lot. Certainly, I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to bounce back. I think he's going to do some good things this year. Uh, we'll see where it's going to be for Kyler Murray. But again, when you look at the NFC West, I mean, this this division is just absolutely loaded and because you've got four teams right now that you can actually say are playoff contenders john it's that time it's uh, we got about a minute but what's on your mind what do you want to talk about well i think the big thing to talk about is what's going on contract wise around the league in the last couple of days because first off i mean it's been a monster year as far as a week right now for contract redos i mean i counted up there was at least 14 
redone contracts where they come back and they replace base salary with signing bonus. Two of them, obviously, with the Seahawks. Uh, I think you know that that that's kind of fascinating to me because you know usually that doesn't happen this late. It usually happens earlier. But a lot of teams are freeing up as much cap room as they possibly can. The other thing is the amazing story in Baltimore with the injuries. I mean, here uh, they've now had four ACL injuries. They had two today on back-to-back plays. Marcus Peters, their best cornerback, blew out his ACL. And then Gus Edwards, the bus, he ends up blowing out his ACL. You know, they don't have, uh, you know, the, certainly their their top running back, J.K. Dobbins, he blew out an ACL. And so it's a mess. Their top three running backs are out. I don't think I've ever seen that. Well, John, it should be interesting this year. We are glad to get the season going off right. And like always, you keep it funky, John. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) All right. Coming up next, me and Moya will go toe-to-toe, face-to-face. We will talk that talk coming up next on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. The moment you all been waiting for, it's time to talk that talk. Me and Paul Moyer getting the ring. We go back and forth. What do you feel? How do I feel? Get it off your chest and say it with your chest, Moyer. (laughs) Say it with your chest. All right, the question I got for you, Mr. Moyer. Mm. Carson Wentz will never look like he did in 2017. What do you think? Well, I would say in 2019 he was pretty close, by the way. I mean, in 2017, let me read his stats for you. He completed 60% of his passes. Today, that's like, that's loserville. But he had 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He had a quarterback rating 101, and his team won. Right? They won a Super Bowl. That's why he got. You know, why he got all the accolades. In 2019, he had 4,000 yards. Remember, 2017, 3,200. Mm-hmm. 19, 4,000, 27, interse- 27 TDs, seven interceptions. Played pretty well, but no, he's not getting back there. Not getting back there. And, and here's why. You don't get more accurate. You either yeah, are you do. or you No, you yeah, don't. Yeah, you do. You work no. on mechanics, your, <sighs> your, your base. There's things you can do. There, it's like a, I'm gonna use golfing again. Okay. It's like golfing. I, I'm never gonna be a scratch golfer again. That doesn't matter what I can do. I'm just I'm limited at what I can do. I believe throwing's the same way. It's like pitchers. If they can't throw over a strike, it, not very many of them eventually just nail it the whole time. And I think the same thing with with throwing. You come out and you're completing fifty high fifties, low sixties out of college now. To me, it's a red flag. It happens every once in a while. Jared Allen, he was a 58%er coming out of Wyoming. Last year, he was 67, 68%. So it can change. But 2020, man completed 57.4% of his passes. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, that's unheard of. <laughs> you know, he had 16 intercept or 15 interceptions, 16 touchdowns. I'm not saying he can't get back to maybe 2016 numbers, you know, where it's 62% completion but i don't ever see him 33 touchdowns seven interceptions complete the 65 percent so my answer is no your answer is no my answer is most definitely he will once again look like he did in 2017 i'll tell you why mr moya tell me he's he has a running game back in 2017 he had laguerre blunt who has 766 yards when i think of laguerre blunt i think of boise state him socking a dude in the chin I don't think of a 1,100-yard gainer like he has in Jonathan Taylor. I think he'll be good to go there. 
Now he also has a top 10 defense. In 2017, that defense was ranked number three. So he's back to, I can lean on this defense. Also, he has the coach who is the Carson Wentz whisperer. Last time he was with Frank Reich, yeah. he was balling. They, they, they're vibing. Kind of like me and you when we're, we're in the studio. We're vibing, baby. <laughs> That's what Carson Wentz and Frank White do. They, Reich, they vibe. So because of the coaching, because of the run game, and he has a defense he can lean on, I think we'll see 2017 Carson Wentz again, just not week one. Yeah, I think if you ask me that question next week, I might have a different answer. But since we're <laughs> playing them the first week, then my answer's better than your answer. Okay. All right, so was debating this one, but staying on a quarterback that has some accuracy problems. I'm going to go with Cam Newton here. Will he, I don't want to even say, will he be a starter again in the NFL? As much as I love Cam, I don't see it happening. I just don't see it happen. In today's game, unless you play for Baltimore or Tennessee, you have to be able to sit in the pocket and throw the football. I just don't see that happening. Can he go to Tennessee? Not if Ryan Tannehill keeps playing the way that he does. Can he go to Baltimore? Heck no. Lamar Jackson has that spot locked down for five to six years. It has to be the right situation for him. And even if you are asked to hand the ball off and run, that's just not what he does anymore. You know, he's an 80s baby. He's, what, 32, 33 years old. (laughs) He's getting up there in, in dog years in the NFL. So, I just don't see it happening, but I do see him holding a clipboard and making a lot more money while he's here. That'll be interesting. He's coming out tomorrow with the press conference, and he's going to talk about his thoughts on that. He hasn't really gave too much, but there is one thing here that I I saw. It says, Cam Newton reiterates on Instagram, there's not 32 guys that are better than me, Mm. which I would probably agree with. But here's my my challenge with with Cam now, because I was pulling for him at New England. You know, I really thought, you know, he had matured and, and you're hoping for that that second chance where, you know, second part of your career. Yeah. And I thought, OK, he completed a high percentage of his passes last year, you know, but can can't run like he used to. And oh, that sir. was that was the X factor when he he's in a huddle. He's the biggest man in the huddle. He's yes. usually the tallest and he's built like. Uh, he's built like a true statue. I mean, he, he's an impressive human being when you're standing next to him. But if you don't have that running game, then you better be able to complete 65% of your passes. And that doesn't mean dink and dunk. Yeah. That means I got to throw it downfield too. I got to hit that deep end and that, that contested throw. So I, I'm going to say no. Here's my question. He says there aren't 32 guys better than him. I'm looking at all the teams in the league right now, and I'm trying to find a spot to where I'd say, okay, I'll take Cam over this guy. Moyer, I don't see I don't see anywhere where I would say investing in the future, he's 32, let's, let's keep it in perspective, I'm going to take Cam over this guy. I don't see it. There's so many good young quarterbacks now. There's so many good ones. Yeah. And they're usually on teams that aren't winning right now. So are you going to bring Cam to de- – no, you're not. You're going to develop a quarterback. And so now you're looking at Cam to, to be on a playoff contending team – They've all got pretty much quarterbacks. I, you know, there's a couple maybe that, you know, if there's an injury, he gets shot. I just don't see him becoming a starter. That doesn't mean I don't think he'll be on a team and maybe get a start. Mm-hmm. But I, I think his days as a starter are over. And I think it's going to be hard to get on a team unless he says, I'm willing to pay for a minimum salary. Yep, I agree. Okay. Next one. Bill Belichick will eventually win another Super Bowl with Mac Jones at QB. This is an That's interesting a situation. A great question. Come on. I know. I, I'm, part of me is thinking <laughs> of what you're going to say. Uh, I'm going to say no. 
Okay. And and the reason why I'm going to say no, it's it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to have to unseat Kansas City. Right? The AFC has a lot of really good young quarterbacks right now. That maybe they're not winning, um, but they're they're loaded with with top guys there. And I just think it's really hard. I also think, look, last year, man, did Tom Brady make a statement? He went and won the Super Bowl. I really thought Belichick would be the one that did. And it shows that, look, you got to have players to win. You just don't get to magically go out and coach teams to Super Bowls or the playoffs. Now, they did better than I think a lot of people thought. But I'm going to say no. It's just too hard. Mac Jones may be a great quarterback, but he better surround himself with a great team. And they're not quite there yet. And I don't know if if Belichick, is he going to coach into his 70s and plus? I don't know. So I'm going to say time's against him. I'm going to say most definitely they are going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I look at Mac Jones, and he's the most composed rookie in the pocket I've seen in a long time. Just his mechanics, the way he steps up in the pocket, keeps his eyes down the field, he's throwing darts. And I just think about what Bill Belichick did with Tom Brady. And I see a mini Tom Brady. This is a robot. This is, this is not real what we're seeing in Mac Jones right now. Now he's got to prove it once he gets out in week one. But so far, I see a guy who resembles Tom Brady. And Belichick has shown mm. I can I can work with the average athlete in the pocket who's going to show up early, leave late, and do all these things. I'll surround him with some pieces. Last year, they had eight guys opt out because of COVID in New England. So we didn't really get to see what their defense or offense could truly look like. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Pat Mahomes has to fall off. You know, it's, it's all about Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. They run the league right now. And Aaron, Aaron Jones, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson, they're all getting older. I give this kid four or five years, and he's going to be in the mix. Ah, uh, you won that round, but we're still pl- we're still boxing here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to throw this one out mainly because the season hasn't started. It gets um, talked about a bunch, of, and you and I are never going to talk about this again. But I'm going to talk about because it it's in the news and it's talked about often. And that is, will Russell Wilson win his first NFL MVP in 2021? I don't want to say for his career, 2021. Unfortunately, no, Paul Moore. I don't think he is. Why is is that? I don't think he is because I see this offense, and I see an offense that's not going to be as explosive as the offense last year because all the shots they took downfield. I see an offense that's going to put together long, sustaining drives, and his athletes are going to work for him. And it's not going to be attractive, right? To win MVP at the quarterback spot, man, you got to flick it like Aaron. You got to dive and throw like Pat Mahomes, or you got to dominate like Tom Brady. And I just don't see Russell doing that in this offense. Is he going to be elite, top tier? Most definitely. But this year, I have to see this offense first. And from what I've seen, I think it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, well, first of all, we haven't had a MVP win the Super Bowl in like 20 years. So I do not want him to win it, not that I'm superstitious. I like it. <laughs> um, I think last year, the way he started, he finally – people said, okay, he is capable of winning an MVP because he can throw, throw the big numbers out. But I think the reason why the answer is no, you have to be one of the top records in the league, and you got to throw for a lot of yards. And we're going to run the ball more. I don't see him getting quite as many yards. He's going to have to have the high touchdowns. But the big one is we're in the toughest division in the league. There are going to be some quarterbacks that are going to win 14 games this year because of the 17-game schedule. There are going to be some 14-gamers. So if he doesn't get the 14 with those numbers, I think this year you just, I just think the odds are stacked against it. So I'm going to say no as well. All right. We agree. That was talk that That's talk, man. Me and, me and Moyer look forward to this. Every single week, we look forward to hanging out with you guys as well. When we come back, we will answer the question, will Jimmy Garoppolo be replaced by Trey Lance before 
They play the Seahawks. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I am Michael Bumpus hanging out with Paul Moyer. If you're watching this Thursday night game, there's a battle going on. Dallas 28, or excuse me, Dallas 26, the Buccaneers 28. Dak Prescott's thrown for over 300 yards. Tom Brady has four touchdown tosses himself. We got a game. Way to open up the season. Way to open up the season. Yeah, we had that earlier segment. We were talking about Russell Wilson would be an MVP. Nah. (laughs) 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 That, he's. They didn't even run the ball to the Cowboys. What did he, he, They ran it nine times? They got 15 carries right now. Elliott has nine himself. But Elliott, you got to feed him 20. Feed him. 25. And again, maybe they went into this game thinking the only way we can win this game we got to throw over the top, but that's a, lot of, that's a lot of passes in the first half. A lot of passes in the first half. Let's talk about a guy who could toss the rock in our division, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now they, the 49ers, drafted a young man by the name of Trey Lance to replace him eventually. It's just when is this move going to happen? Trey Lance only played one game his last year at uh, North Dakota. He's not very experienced, but you look at the the physical talent, it's there, Moyer, it's there. But Jimmy Garoppolo, say what you want about him, he's always hurt. He's not going to toss the ball 30, 40 yards down the field, but he wins ball games when he is healthy. Do you think Trey Lance is going to be running the show week four when the Niners play the Seahawks. I hope so, because that means Garoppolo has played like Garoppolo. <laughs> and, look, I've never been a big fan of Garoppolo. He's capable with a really good team, and if he's got time and all those crossing routes and everything between really the numbers, uh, you know, he's he's pretty accurate. People have found out his weakness. you got to force him to throw the ball downfield, contested. I mean, you got to have contested coverage. And you got to force him to throw outside the numbers toward the sideline. He's not very accurate on that. Um, but if he's healthy, I, I don't see Trey Lance starting. I just don't. And part of it is he's very young. He didn't play last year. He sat out because of the COVID thing and really more the FCS uh, didn't play really last year, did more the spring game. So he, he, he took himself out of that. So he's missed all of that. On top of that, he's just not ready. I watched him in preseason. Now he's electric. Yeah. We not, look, two, three years from now, I get why they drafted him. You know, he's electric arm, electric feet. Uh, he's he's going to be really good. But I, it's just not this year. How long do you wait? What if Garoppolo comes out? They go 0-2. I hope so. And you have no choice but to play the young man then. Well, I think a lot of it depends on you – know, we were talking uh, earlier – to me, it's that the 49ers are playing great defense. Garoppolo's, he's, he's your guy. I mean, you're you are going to dink, you're going to dunk. Um, he's, you're going to hand the football off. They, they, their running game's extremely difficult. Yep. You know, if they're running those fly sweeps or jet sweeps or whatever we want to call them, you know, they're, they're, they're a tough one to, to battle for. I don't see Trey Lance unless they start off, you know, one and two. The offense is really stagnant, and it could. I mean, you know, they're and defensively, they they've lost their defensive coordinator. You know, he's gone. He's at the Jets now as a head coach. You know, so we'll, we'll see how that all play out. But simple answer for me is no. I just don't think he's quite ready. And again, if he's starting on week four, good. That's I think that's good for us. I think I think he will start. I just Jimmy hasn't shown me enough in the recent years for me to believe that one he's going to be healthy and two that he's going to be explosive enough to make management and the head coach believe that this is our guy going forward. So I think Trey is going to be the guy. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that again on the Thursday night before week four, <laughs> unless we're playing on Thursday night, which who knows? I don't know the schedule. Let me ask you this. So a lot of, in our division, um, 
a lot of guys left that were defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, running back coordinators, passing game coordinators. We've got two of them. You know, we, we took two from the Rams. The Rams, uh, well, I'll stay in San Francisco. San Francisco lost their defensive coordinator. The one that was really odd to me, or what was interesting, was Brandon Staley, who's the head coach now for the L.A. Chargers. Yep. And I was watching him when we played him in that last preseason game. He looked 30. I mean, really young. And five years ago, he's coaching in D3. Sean McVay, when he came up and he was the youngest head coach in the NFL, yep. he was brought up in the NFL. He's been around John Gruden and those guys since, you know, he could shave. I don't know if this one works out because when you when you have an NFL team, there's so much adversity that's going on, even if you're winning. You, you win, you've got to manage all these personalities. You then, if you are starting to struggle, it's not just his defense now he's got to take care of. And by the way, he had no adversity last year. They yeah. were number one from Lights the out. get-go, yep. and they had the players. Chargers got a good team. I, I just... I think he's in over his head, and it had more of me. Just a quick look, you know, the book called Blink. It just, he just didn't feel comfortable in that setting. Uh, what do you think? I mean, do you, do you see success there? See, you you made a great point because the trend in the NFL is to go get the young the young coach, right? He's going to relate with these twenty two to twenty four year olds. They're not even thinking about the guys who are in the league 10, 11 years who are older than this guy. But you made a good point that McVeigh grew up in the NFL. Like, this guy is on that accelerated program that seniors take in high school, so they go to college and they have their associate's degree already, but they've never really been in the college scene. And I, I agree with that point is you don't know what you don't know. And um, he's 30 years old, he's leading men, and he's going to be asked to make decisions that he didn't even have practice making, right? He was, in 2020, he was a D coordinator. In 19, he was an outside linebacker outside linebackers coach, another outside linebackers coach. He's really had one year of true decision-making, and it's not even at his highest form yet, yeah. and, he, and he hasn't grown up in this. So I think it could bite him in the butt. And I think the NFL, and this is a great example of the coaching tree, right? You look at, you look at Mike Holmgren and his coaching tree. It's crazy, right? Bill Belichick, his coaching tree. Uh, Bill Walsh, his coaching tree. And that people fall into that trend. They're like, Sean McVay, young, offense is going. Um, the, the hottest thing in L.A., let's take a chance on this young fella and see if we can capture some of that magic that McVay brought to the league. I, I remember uh, a story that um, uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, said one time, and it, it was when he was the offensive coordinator with USC and Pete Carroll was the head coach. And they lost a tough game. I want to say it was to Oregon State, or I think it was Oregon State. It was an upset when they were expected to be number one. It could have been against Oregon. I'm not sure. can't remember that detail. And he said Pete Carroll – before they walked into the locker room, he goes, I want you to listen to how I address this team. This is a critical moment in how we you know, frame our, our message. That's being mentored. Yeah. And so, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, like him, love him, whatever, don't like him. One thing is he's an impressive guy around people because he was groomed by Pete Carroll. You know, now hopefully he's mature enough and makes good decisions in life moving forward. I see the same thing with, with a Staley, a head coach there, the charge. I just don't think he had enough time to be mentored. Mm -hmm. You could be a really good leader. Sean McVay is a fantastic leader. You can tell it. I mean, yeah. he commands respect. Not sure this guy does yet. He may be a great coach, but uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one to chew. I think what he has to do to be successful early, surround yourself with older guys who have been there and who have done that. Yeah. You know, B, you need a Wade Phillips on, on, on your squad. You know, you need a guy who's been around the block a couple of times 
and who can hold you accountable because everyone needs to be held accountable. Even Pete Carroll's held accountable by his guy. I see him at practice all the time. I don't know his name, but every time I ask people, who is that guy? They're like, that's Pete's right hand. He's the tater. one who can it's shoot tater. Straight. Carl Smith. Oh, Carl Smith, yeah. That's, Carl's a great guy. That's his guy. That's that's the guy who holds him accountable. So he just needs to surround himself by, with good coaches because you can't coach all the positions, Moyer. You can't be everywhere at one time, and that's the great thing about football, man. You can't do it all on the field by yourself. You can't do it all in, in the coaching room by yourself. Got to hire good people. Got to hire them. It's the only way to be successful. Only way to be successful. Good luck to you. Just not when you play the Seahawks. All right. Coming up next, Moyer and I will go around the NFL. That's right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Hanging out with Paul Moyer like we're going to do every Thursday during the season. Man, I mentioned this already. There's a great Thursday night game going on. Oh, man. Cowboys are driving to win this thing. They got three timeouts left. They overcame a second and 20. We missed it, but we look up and it's a first down. Um, good game going on, man. Way to start the season. We're gonna Speaking of the NFL, we're going to go around – the NFL and the first question I want to ask you Moyer is about the quarterback position we got some young guys mm. some young guns in this league uh, making starts we got Zach Wilson with the Jets Mac Jones with the Patriots and then Trevor Lawrence with the Jacksonville Jaguars out of those three who do you think is going to have the most successful rookie season oh but rookie season it's got to be oh man it's, I was going to go with originally Mac Jones, just because I think he's got a better team around him. Of those three teams, the Patriots are going to be the best team. The Jets, team. the Jets are going to be an up-and-comer. And, and I, I really think Zach Wilson, from a upside, he got the most upside. Yeah. He's, he's got a crazy arm. I mean, it's, he's, he's electric. We're going to see if it turns to be efficient in the NFL, if he can make it efficient and not turn the ball over, you know, keep his high percentage of passes – he going to make some big-time throws. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got Patrick Mahomes' type of ability with his arm. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I just – I think it's so uh, – I just don't know about their team and that relationship with him and Urban. I just don't know where that's going. Um, I never was super impressed with him other than his freshman year at Cle Clemson where I go, wow, that's pretty impressive for a freshman. Yeah. He was very mature. But I get it. I mean, it's one of those you don't pass up. He's, you know, 6'5", 6'6", probably closer to 6'6". He's got all, you know, he can make every throw. I get that. But I think these other two, I don't know, there's something special about them. You know, Mac Jones, just his ability to get rid of the ball, his accuracy. And I think Zach Wilson, he's just, he's got one of those crazy arms that come around. Well, I would say every 20 years, but Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> he's in the league with them. Man, I think Trevor Lawrence is set up to fail down there, man. He has all the talent in the world. He's mobile. He can throw the football. Seems like a good leader. But you got Urban Meyer over there who looks confused on the sideline. You talk about the head coach for the Chargers and, and the vibe you got from him. I look at Urban Meyer's and he just looks confused. And some of the moves that he made during the offseason are questionable. You know, this he he's trying to keep his buddies in his circle. And he's learning if your buddy has a reputation in the history, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. This isn't uh, University of Florida where you got away with a whole lot of stuff down there. Or Ohio State. Or Ohio State. <laughs> where was he good? Uh, Utah, Bowling Green? Utah. He, well, he's at Bowling Green, Utah, and good reputation. Florida it started to go. I, I think a lot of that, the poor reputation is people piling on winners. Yeah. You know, I mean, he runs a good program. I mean, but you loyal. look, that Florida, that Florida team has some characters on it too, though. Well, yeah. I mean, I can go back to Miami back in the 80s, and, you know, they, they had some characters too. But, 
Yeah, I think that it's such a hard transition to go from college to the NFL. Very few guys like Pete Carroll. I think, you know, that's why he deserves being the Hall of Fame, not just because of the success he's had with the Seahawks. There's very few people that have won a national championship and then came and won a Super Bowl. I yeah. think Jimmy Johnson's one of the few <clears throat> and, and Pete Carroll. It's hard, and it's hard because in college, you know, I mean, I got control of the players, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you're trying to fight for a, a spot to potentially get into the NFL and uh, it's just it's a different mentality and I remember when he was signing uh they were signing some free agents and he was just appalled at the way the, the system is because you didn't get to really talk to him you didn't get to bring him in and even interview him you know for the most part yeah. and so he was which by the way I totally agree with him on it but guess what you got to adapt this is the way it is baby and it's one a days and the players say coach why why do I got to run through that wall when I can run around it <laughs> do i really need to go and run through that it's just that's the difference between the nfl and call he, he don't like that the veterans man i'll see you week one coach imagine if imagine if he were pete carroll dealing with Dwayne brown in this situation that would have drove him nuts he'd probably be like you need to be out there practicing every single day no i don't coach i'm 36 years old i've done this for a long time i'm top in my position i'll let you know when i'm ready to practice i would have drove him nuts oh well he's gonna find out this year because he's going to have to rest people. And look, he's a smart enough guy, and he's he's surrounded with a pretty good staff. I mean, he's, they're going to he's smart enough to figure out what I got to make some changes. But uh, yeah, it's I think it's a big big learning curve for all of them over there. All right. Well, we found out a few days ago, KJ is officially gone. He is a Las Vegas Raider. I just want to show some love to KJ. I mean, he ended his his run here with two great seasons, back to back. He was balling. Um, I think he's just. It's just his age and just not wanting to disrespect him with a number um, on this contract that was a low ball, not even a low ball, but kind of where they value him and then having him play backup to these young guys. KJ's a starter in this league, and I think he's going to get an opportunity with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm glad he's playing football. Yeah, he's, he's back with Gus Bradley and the guy that you know they, they know. Maybe he's only there on first and second down situations, and at that age it probably makes sense. Here's what I'm going to say, because I, I was a proponent the whole time. You need to get K.J. back. He played his best football. I, you could play him inside if you really wanted to. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he's he's had that, that skill level. But I understand why they did it. And it's it's purely about numbers, and it's not even the financial. The numbers are we got two old linebackers or older linebackers. That's not that they're that old, but in football years. We've got to develop some young guys. This game is about speed. It's mm-hmm. about coming off the edge, rushing the passer. And the Seahawks don't want to be predictable in how they're rushing the passer. They want to be able to line up in a somewhat of a bare front at times or a five-man front with some speed outside backers or p- potentially Jamal Adams. I'm thinking of Daryl Taylor. That did not fit into what they want to do moving forward with K.J. Wright. So now, all right, K.J., am I going to play you just on mixed downs? Mm-hmm. And most teams now are in three wide receiver sets. When do I – I'm not pulling Jordan Brooks off the field anymore. They, that's done. I'm not pulling Bobby out. Not yet. So where's the time? And we think Cody Barton is playing as well as any linebacker on our team right now. Yeah. So it's just – it was a numbers game, and it's time to develop. And people need an opportunity when you're younger. You can't sit behind veterans and and just die. I mean, you really – you just don't get that opportunity. And – KJ, if he was on the team, maybe he starts. Maybe he is better in mixed downs. And, again, now you never get Daryl Taylor. You never get Cody Barton. You don't get those guys a chance to develop. You can't sit behind veterans and die, but this young man sat behind a veteran and got himself in a position to thrive 
Mr. Jameis Winston having another opportunity with the New Orleans Saints. And for what I've seen in preseason, I think he's ready to go. Now, if he learned anything from Drew Brees, let's take the check down. Take what the defense is giving you because I – Greatest ever. Brees didn't have the arm to go deep like Jameis does. So I think if he can incorporate that into his game, he will be fine. He's got some weapons over there. He has Sean Payton, who's a great head coach. You still got Kamara in the backfield. You're still going to sprinkle in Taysom Hill. I think he, he can be successful this year. I do too. And they, I don't think they bring him back if they didn't feel he had learned what they needed him to learn. And, I mean, his, his talent's been there. We know that. I mean, you throw as many touchdowns as he did the other year. That's fine. The yards, 30 interceptions, that's a hard one for me to get out of my head. Yeah, I, I really don't understand that. And, and he's with Bruce Arians. I mean, Bruce is hard on – I don't know if he's hard on quarterback. He has that persona he is. But he's a quarterback guru. That must have drove him nuts. Yeah. And so, you know, I think Peyton is – it's a different voice. I think you're right. I think he has success this year. I don't know to what extent, um, but I think uh, he's going to have a pretty good year. I think he'll have a good year as well. We'll see what they do. That NFC is looking tough, man. All right, when we come back, we'll put a bow on this thing. We'll give you our final thoughts and the Seahawks' keys to victory when they go to Indianapolis. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday. Dallas leading 29-28, fourth quarter, 49 seconds left. Tom Brady has the ball. You know what Moyer said? He said, of course the Bucs are winning this game. That's Tom Brady. There's no question they're going to win, but, you know, I – too many people thought they, they were going to run the table. Seriously, I mean, I've heard people say they're going to go undefeated. I go, they had a great playoff run. <laughs> you know, they during the middle of the year, people were like, eh, but here's Gronkowski doing what he does best and running over people, and they're going to end up kicking a field goal. The only way they lose this game is a field goal kick to chokes. Said they missed a field goal. Yep, yeah, they're driving right now, 32 seconds. I almost wish we were calling this game right now. You and I can give a good play-by-play, color call, Brady going over the top. Out of bounds. All right, so let's get back to the Seahawks. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm following you here. Uh, uh, how do they win this ball game? I'll tell you how I think they win this ball game. You mentioned it. You got to control the run. That's what the Colts want to do. Jonathan Taylor is a very good running back, 1,100 yards, five yards per carry. They have to control the run and then offensively play with their tempo, whether that's up tempo, slow tempo, in between, whatever tempo means to them. They just have to play the game that they want to play offensively, take care of the football, and then we'll see if this offense has the ex- explosive plays that we're used to seeing out of DK and Lockett. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think this is a weird year because no preseason for the most part for the starters. We've got a bunch of injured players. Indianapolis has 10 guys on injured reserve, mm. 10. I mean, they're, they're number one wide receiver. They've got a bunch of guys coming back. Wentz has been out. I just don't see them hitting on a, a high level. But, you know, we got a new offensive coordinator, new offense. We haven't had that, that opportunity with our first-team offense either. So a lot of unknowns there. So I, I really think it's a bit of what Pete loves. We're going to run the football. Yeah, It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I like our chances with our quarterback in the fourth quarter. This is a really good defense. I mean, they're, they are tough to run the football on. So we're going to have to try to go over the top at times. But – you know, we'll see if we can scheme them along the way. And, you know, it's too many cliches here, but, you know, turnovers, I like our chances there. I mean, Wentz, you know, historically hasn't been great at protecting the football. 
Um, I think we're a better team, at least on paper, but they're really good. I mean, at one point last year, their defense, the first half of the year, they were insanely good. They were about yeah. 100 yards better than the next team mm. at one point. So, yeah, so it's going to be, be a fun one, but it's going to be a little old-fashioned run, hit, get after it. A couple guys I want to see. Um, Dave Wyman mentioned this earlier today on his show. DJ Dallas had one of the best preseasons I've seen in a long time. So now, what does that do? Where does that put him on this roster on that depth chart? Is he going to get more carries than Penny? Are they going to use him in the pass game? Is he going to be one of their return guys with Freddie Swain? He was a guy who returned the ball as well. I want to see how they're going to use DJ Dallas. And then also, I want to see what Trey Flowers does with this third opportunity probably. It's almost like they've been trying to replace the guy, but he does just enough. He's just he's consistent just enough to keep fighting these guys off and winning this spot. So those are the two guys that I'm going to look at. How is DJ going to be used? How much time has he earned? And what does Trey Flowers do with this opportunity? Well, I don't know if <laughs> the guys they brought in, they, they haven't been here long enough to unseat him, but that's for sure yet, you know, Trey Flowers. And even if he struggles in the game, but – God, you know, Sidney Jones, I mean, he's he's been there, done that. I like his upside a bunch. Um, so we'll see what, what goes on there. I, I'm excited to see Chris Carson get back at it. Yeah. That's the one thing that you mentioned, DJ uh, Dallas. What's his role? Returner. Um, for right now, you know, what you did in preseason it gives you the opportunity to be on the team and, and have some other opportunities in the special teams. But that's a loaded field there. I mean, First of all, Chris Carson's going to get the carries. Definitely. So now how much do you spread those extra 10 carries and passes out of the backfield? Alex Collins looked good, too. Alex looked very good. And you're going to more than if, – if Penny is active for the game, he's going to get more touches than probably DJ Dallas. But if he's not active, obviously that, that changes it. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll know more Sunday what the Seahawks really think. But I think the pecking order right now is still, you know, it's Carson, it's Penny. I think it's Alex Collins and then Dallas. Another young man I want to see how they use him is D. Eskridge. Now, Freddie Swain won that third receiver spot. Uh, deservedly, he, he was been available. He made plays. He's reliable. But the little glimpse that we saw of D. Eskridge got me excited. He ran a jet sweep. He was fast but patient. That's what I liked about his life. He didn't. He didn't outrun his blockers. He had his hand on, on one of his guards' back, kind of letting him lead the way. Then he goes across the middle. He makes a catch. He did just enough to where I'm like, yeah, I want to see more of that. I, I want to see what this young man can do. I know Freddie's going to get the start, but D.S. is going to be in the mix. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the – it's interesting to look at their depth chart. They've got three wide receivers. It's their depth chart. We don't have a fullback anymore. Um and you're right. You got Tyler Lockett, Freddie Swain, and obviously DK Metcalf, uh, the three guys starting. Look, I my guess is they're going to activate Penny Hart, bring him up yep. or somebody. I mean, I don't. You can't go in with four wide receivers. I wouldn't think. Um, Eskridge, it's Penny Hart's out. Well, ne never mind then. Or excuse me, he is up. Okay, so that would be a guy that you're counting because right now questionable is Eskridge. Yeah. Um, but I did like what I finally saw in a game practice he looks at i mean he's he's got all the, the skill they're looking for it's gonna be fun look we have so many young players that are rookies i'm not i don't need to count on a rookie i'd like to see Eskridge, you know have some success mm -hmm. but it's my second third year guys it's a cody barton's it's the marquise blairs of the yes. world and i think marquise is one of those guys too i they have to take that leap where oh we're starters in this league yep you know i i can actually i get it we we signed digs 
He's going to be a free agent next year. What do we do here? If Marquise Blair truly steps up and becomes the guy they, they think he is, you know, that, that there's some there's some decisions to be made next year at free safety. But for right now, I think he's a guy that can be a starter, and I'd like to see that happen this week. All right. We will see what happens this week. A lot of questions will be answered. That was fun, man. Thank you guys for tuning in to Hawks Live with Paul Moyer. Special thanks to Cody Barton and John Clayton for joining the show and our board operator, Brady Robrick. Can't forget Nasa Chobi, our executive producer. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus, with Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.